Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. series called The Slope, The Slope, Um, and if you haven't never been here, this is going to be a little bit more different than any message that I normally preach. Um, I'm going to stick to my notes more today, so some of you are going to be like, wow, he really is sticking a little bit more to his notes, because I've got a lot of material to go over and go through, and so um, this is going to be a four-week series that we step into, and it will all make sense, but today I want to talk to you about scarves and overhead bins, scarves and overhead bins today. Um, There was a picture that was circulating around the internet a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, and that picture looked like this, okay, And, and we're going to have some audience participation today. When you look at this picture, how many of you see a man walking into the woods? Raise your hand. No, it's okay. Everybody get, here's the, I'm not asking you to say amen. Some of you are like, oh, how many of you see a man walking into the woods? It's okay. That's what I see, right? How many of you see a dog running out of the woods? Right? So, so here's the deal. I see a man walking into the woods. My wife's like, what, 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 what? How do you, it's like the whole, is the dress dress gold and white or blue and black? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of the whole same, same thing. This is actually a dog running out of the woods. But I argued this for a solid day. I'm like, I do not see that. And then she's like, yeah, it's like a poodle. And I'm like, it's not a real dog then, right? Like, let's, let's just establish the facts here, right? Like, that's... That's like, anyways, I'm about to make some people mad, but um, I'm just like, I see a man walking, and, she, and then I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and here's the deal. I argued this for a good solid day, because this is what I saw. This was true to me, and I'm like, I don't care what your truth is, Casey. This is my truth, right? And we're having this whole argument, and it is a dog running out of the woods, unfortunately. Like, I had to research it. I was like, dadgummit, and I, I kept looking for other internet sites that would tell me what I wanted to know or what I wanted to read, right? Like, my answer, um, but it never, that never happened. And, and here's the deal. Here's why I showed this to you, is that this is, this is one way, right? Like, I'm going to, this is how I view it. This is how I see it. This is my truth. This is my life. And it's one way to do that with a picture, but a lot of us were doing that with life. And today we're going to be talking about truth and what is really true. And, 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 and as followers of Christ, what do we follow as truth, right? Because as a follower of Christ, you and I should know that there is an absolute truth that you and I are called to follow. 
However, as a culture, this is where we live. We live in a culture that says, well, if I don't view it that way, if I don't feel it the same way you feel, if I don't see it the same way as you see it, then that's not true to me. And so let me define for you before we get going what absolute truth is because we live in a culture right now that doesn't believe in absolute truth. Absolute truth is this. It is something that is true at all times and in all places. It is something that is always true no matter what the circumstances. It is a fact that cannot be changed. For example, there are no round squares, right? Most of us know, even if you made an F in geometry, you should know there are no round squares. And so this is what absolute truth is. And according to the George Barna Research Group, only 35% of Americans believe in moral absolutes anymore. In other words, Americans are more likely to base their truth on feelings. So here's what has happened. And this isn't just something that's happened in our culture. This is happening in our churches. This is happening to followers of Christ. This has happened to our kids. This has happened to our parents. Is that what has happened because we are basing our truth on how we see things, very much like that picture, on how we feel, on what sounds good, we have become a whatever culture. Right? And what that means is this. Well, whatever feels good, man, must be good. Whatever sounds true must be true. Whatever I see as truth is true to me. And so we're, we're living in a culture that says, man, if it feels good, don't do it. Whatever you want to go do. If it feels good, it's got to be good. If it sounds true, go do it because it must be true. If, it, if, 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 it, if you view it, whatever you view as true and okay and good and right versus wrong, then do it. And what has happened as it has led us as a culture and as followers of Christ into living life on a very, very slippery slope. As adults, as teenagers, as families, as a culture, but hear me, today we're going to be approaching it as followers of Christ. Some of us, we're living life like this, and as a result, we're living life on a very, very Slippery slope. What do I mean by slippery slope? Slippery slope means this, a process or series of events that is hard to stop or control once it has begun, and that usually leads to worse or more difficult things. All right, this, this is so good. A, a process or series of events that is hard to stop or control once it has begun, and that usually leads to worse or more difficult things. Here's what I want us to understand. We are in the middle of a series of events, right? And we have been for a while of a process that is leading us as a culture, as a nation, and as followers of Christ to living life on a slippery slope. And Paul knew this. And here's the genius of the Bible, is that Paul talks about this to his apprentice, Timothy, over 2,000 years ago. And, and, and the, the genius of the Bible is this. Some people want to say the Bible is outdated, but the Bible can read our culture's mail like that today. That's what is absolutely miraculous about the Word 
of God. And here's what the Bible says. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, it says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. Kardashians, right? Um, they will be <laughs> boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. Man, we got this down. But they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will teach them whatever their itching ears want to hear. If it sounds good, right? We can build crowds as churches if I just preach what people want to hear. Hear me. We're not going to preach what people want to hear, but we're going to preach the Word of God week in, week out as a church. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And this leads to the crux of the verse for this series. And it is found in Judges. And I love this verse because what has happened is that the spiritual leader has died. And almost every time this happens with the nation of Israel, once the spiritual leader passes away, the Israelites went and started serving idols and going and doing pagan rituals and doing all these things. And it says this in Judges. It says, in those days, Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And can I tell you, that's where we are right now. As a culture, as a nation, and a lot of churches are right there. They're preaching what sounds right, what seems right. We're living life in a way that says, hey, live it the way you view is right, and what you deem is right, and what you, and what seems right to you. And so I want us to understand this message today is huge. And it's not just huge for this series. Absolutely, it's the bedrock foundation for the rest of where we go as a series. But as a follower of Christ, for you today, man, this series has to be a foundational message that you build your relationship with Jesus Christ on because it's really easy to get away from what I'm about to share with you today. It's really easy to chase after things that tickle your ear instead of pierce your heart. And so today I want to give you a fact, and I want to give you two applications that go along with that fact. And our fact is this, is that God's word is greater than my feelings, culture's acceptance, and others' opinions. God's word, I used to just put my feelings, right? But it's gotten way bigger than that. God's word is greater than my feelings, culture's acceptance, and others' opinions. Here's what I would tell you. When we let our feelings lead the way, it often produces chaos, right? When we let our emotions lead the way, it produces dysfunction. And you can choose truth even when it goes against your feelings. You can choose truth in God's word even when it goes against what culture says is okay or isn't okay. You can choose God's word as truth that you can live your life based on 
even when it goes against other people's opinion. And here's why, because this is what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, right? We don't have to talk our th- ourselves into knowing things that are true. We have to talk ourselves into, into thinking things that are untrue might be true, right? Trying to twist it, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Everybody say true. Let's try it one more time. True. Teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I want us to go back to verse 16. Because verse 16 is powerful. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Can I tell you, when that happens, it's going to make you mad. And will you determine and will you still choose to base your life on God's word and his truth even when it says you're wrong? Because nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Let's go back to the picture, right? I didn't like being told that's a dog. I'm like, it's not a dog. It's not a dog. It's not, a, it's not the way I see it. It's not the way I feel about it, right? It's not a dog. It was a dog. <laughs> kind of. And will you still base your life, and will you still say, you know what, I may not like the truth, and it may be correcting me, and I don't like, none of, nobody likes being corrected, but you don't get better by living in ignorance, right? You don't get better by never being corrected and by not growing, and it may make you mad, but will you still say God's word is greater than my feelings, culture's acceptance, and other people's opinions? We still base your life on God's word when it goes against what culture says. Because here's what I found out, and I'm about to get into another message that we're going to talk about later. Is there's more pressure to go along with culture's thinking than there is the Lord's thinking now. It's true. Man, you're odd man out if you're basing your life on the word of God. It's not popular anymore. Ten years ago, maybe. But in 10 years, you know what? It's not popular anymore. And will you still say, even though culture's not going to agree, even though it may go against other people's opinions, will you still base your life and will you have that Joshua moment where you say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? Because here's the challenge, and this is what has happened in a lot of our churches, is we've become cafeteria Christians. Right? You remember going to the cafeteria, furs and lubies? Like, if you went to lubies, you were rich. If you were furs, you were a normal person, right? And so, um, furs had a little extra seasoning. And, and so, um, when I would go to furs as a little kid, my grandparents would be like, get whatever you want, Justin. That meant this. I'm getting two desserts. I'm getting jello. I'm getting mashed potatoes and gravy and fried chicken and a roll, right? I, I don't know why. Like, I looked at people why they stopped at the salad section. I'm like, what are you doing, Joker? Like, what are you doing right here? Do you not see all this stuff? Like, it is a buffet of goodness. Like, what are you doing stopping at a nasty? And all the old ladies work the salad part, right? Like, um, 
You want some salad? It's all shaking. I'm like, okay, there you go. Like, that's what it's going to turn you into. That's what happens when you eat vegetables, right? I don't understand. And, and, and I would go through the cafeteria line and be like, I want that. That looks good. That looks good. No, you can keep that. That may be good, but I don't want it, right? And that's what we do as Christians now when it comes to the Word of God. Oh, well, I don't like that. Were well, you going to still apply it even though you don't like it? I don't see it that way. You may not see it that way, but that doesn't mean that it's not good for you. It doesn't mean that it doesn't bring correction and it doesn't show and it doesn't bring light to your situation and show you, man, you're wrong. And you may not like that. I don't like that. But it still doesn't mean that God's word's not greater than my feelings. It may go against other people's opinions that you dearly love. And are you still going to apply God's truth, all scriptures inspired, not just part of it, Right? All of it. We can't be cafeteria Christians when we're picking and choosing and saying, I'll take some of this or some of that. And the question is this, whose rules are you going to live by? Right? Whose rules are you and I going to live by? Because here's what we want to say when, when this gets thrown out. Well, Justin, that, that's a truth, not the truth, right? That's a way to live not necessarily the way to live. Can I tell you, Jesus was a really smart guy. 2,000 years ago, he had doubters, he had critics, and he knew 2,000 years later there's going to be doubters and there's going to be critics. And here's what Jesus says, and I love this out of the Amplified Version. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the only way and the real truth. I love that. Like, I'm the real deal, right? Like, I'm the real thing. Like, the real truth and the real life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. So here's what it is. No matter what I feel about something, no matter what other people view it, no matter what culture says, Jesus is saying this. This is the real thing. I'm the real deal. And my way leads to life. My way leads to a better way of living your life. And if you live your life based on what culture says is true and acceptable, if you live your life based on what other people's opinions are and what they say is acceptable and right and wrong, it's not going to lead you to the life that is bearing the fruit you want your life to bear. I love what, Dan, what Chris Hodges said in his book, The Daniel Dilemma. And if you're looking for a great book, Man, this is where we're basing a lot of our sermon series off. It is a fantastic book by Chris Hodges called The Daniel Dilemma. And he says this, truth is not a subjective commodity to be determined by each individual. God's eternal truth exists regardless of what we feel or don't feel. All right, of what we feel or what we don't feel. So the challenge and the truth for us, the fact is this. Whether I like it or not, whether my feelings say something or not, whether culture says something different or other people's opinions are different, man, my life has got to be based on God's word because it's greater than anything else, right? And the word says this, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It means it doesn't change. It's solid. Because have you noticed what's true changes almost every month now? Like what's okay changes every year now and I'm like well when did that become like I didn't know that like when did that happen because I, I just so so here's the application so so what does that look like 
When we start applying this fact as followers of Christ, this is what happens. Your life becomes rooted on God's truth and not your own preference. Your life becomes rooted on God's truth and not your own preference. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. It's not, a, it's not speed dating with Jesus. Like you met him, oh, it didn't work out, ding, I'll go to the next table. No, 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 no. You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And check this out, and you will overflow with thankfulness. But don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ, in his ways, live all the fullness of God in a human body so you are also complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Hear me, your life and faith needs to be based on God's timeless word instead of cultural, seasonal trends and temporary belief systems. Man, it's got to be based on God's word instead of what is cool and trendy right? And a lot of us, we're chasing cool and we're chasing trendy when it comes to our relationship. Oh, well, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And we're looking for loopholes instead of obedience. And there's a big difference. If you're looking for loopholes in your relationship with Christ instead of how you can be more obedient, you've missed what this whole relationship's about in the first place. You missed it. And some of us, we're trying to be a cool Christian instead of obedient one. Ladies, there's a, a lot of you back five years ago, you were into the scarf trend. You know what I'm talking about? At wintertime, every woman wore a scarf, and it wasn't a scarf. It was a blanket around your neck. I mean, this thing was huge. Like, nobody had necks for a whole year. I was like, there would be women that wore it on 80 degrees days, and they're like, I'm not sweating. I'm not sweating, right? And if you, if you saw their neck, it wasn't a good scarf. It was like, ah, oh, you got a cheap scarf, not a real scarf. And so, um, and so you had one scarf wasn't enough. You had like 10 different scarves, and you wrapped them around from top to bottom. You look like a Christmas present. And here's the deal. Everyone did it. And I'm like, does it keep you warmer now? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's just, it's just the look. I like it. I like it. And you had your, your Han Solo boots up to here too, right? Like, I was like, are we in an episode of Star Wars or what? What's happening here right now? Like, are we on the planet of Hoth? I don't know what's happening. But, um, and, and now, this past summer, this past winter, excuse me, I only saw ladies wearing scarves when they actually needed them. Right? I didn't see any scarves. In fact, I, I asked Casey if she had any scarves left. She's like, no, I threw those away a while ago. I'm like, huh? Here's the deal. Some of us, we're trying to be cool and trendy. More scarf Christianity, right? We're just chasing the trends instead of the obedience. And don't let your relationship be based on your preferences rather than his word. Because that's how you start living life on a slippery slope. But how do you not slip on the slope? Right? How do you not slip on the slope? You have to understand God's word has to be the foundation and absolute truth you build your life on. God's word has to be the foundation and absolute truth you build your life on. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says this. Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. 
like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rain and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Listen to that first sentence of this passage. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Here's the big thing about doing it the way God has called us to do it and building your life on his word and letting your roots grow down into that instead of your preferences is because when you and I build our life on a good, solid foundation, hear me, this is huge, it produces good, solid fruit, right? Parents, when you base your household on good biblical foundations and teaching and being a good parent and being a good spouse, can I tell you, it reaps and produces good, solid fruit in your kids. It does. You can't plant a cherry tree and expect tomatoes from it, right? Like, it doesn't work. You don't have to plant an orange tree and get upset because it's not producing mangoes. But some of us want our kids to produce something that we've not put in. And it's not on your kids. It's on you as the head of the home. What are you basing your household on? Is it your preferences and societies and cultures trends? Or is it the timeless word of God's biblical truth? Check this stats out from George Barna. They did a research on teenagers called the Third Millennial Teens. And it says this, a recent research comparing teens who lack a solid biblical belief system with their peers who have a solid biblical belief system reveals that teens who lack this biblical belief system are 225% more likely to be angry with life. 216% more likely to be resentful, 210% more likely to lack purpose in life, 200% more likely to be disappointed in life, 200% more likely to steal, 200% more likely to hurt someone physically, 300% more likely to try illegal drugs, and 600% more likely to attempt suicide. Check that out. What you're building your life on and what your roots are growing down into, parents, matter. Young adults, it matters. Grandparents, it matters. Teenagers, it matters. And you can't keep basing your life on culture's trends and your preferences. There's a better, what the Bible is saying is there's a better way for you to live your life than based on your emotions and based on culture's truth. There's a better, healthier way that's going to lead to a better, healthier life for you. Because here's what I know. This isn't my way. This isn't like, hey, I wrote a book and I want you to follow all these rules, parents and adults, of a lot of rules I found that work for Justin Graves. No, 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 no. God's saying, if you will do this my way, what I can promise you is life will be better. Life will be lived with less regrets and less mistakes. If you will do it my way. What does it look like when we start applying this truth? Is that you make your life fit within God's word instead of trying to make God's word fit into your life. When God's word is greater than your opinions and your emotions and others' opinions and their views and society and cultures, 
opinions and your views, here's what happens. You start making your life fit within God's word instead of trying to make God's word fit within your life, your lifestyle, your habits, your excuses, whatever you want to say. Um, one of the most treasured thing on an airplane is overhead bin space. If you've ever been on an airplane, the reason that you board as quickly as you can, it's like a competition to run to the swings at recess, right? Like, it's like everybody's lining up, you stay aboard, and you're like, ah, that's my spot, right? Why? Because you need overhead bin space. I don't want to ride it for, for two hours with something underneath my feet when I can put it up there, right? And, and riding in coach, man, it's, it's t- if you ride Southwest and you get the emergency aisle with no seat, that's called first class on Southwest, just so you know. Uh, man, it's a, it's a game changer. But if you're not there, you're like, man, I'm so crowded. And especially being a taller guy, it's tough. But there is every flight, every flight I've ever been on in my life, I don't know how. This guy, this girl, there's always that guy, that woman that brings a bag. That There's no way it fit in that little thing, right, that you're testing stuff. I mean, they're rolling this suitcase literally on my way back from Kenya, from Atlanta to Tulsa. A guy was walking down the aisle with a guitar case. Like something like this, and I'm like, no way, Joker. That is, and we're on a small plane. I'm like, there's no way. And sure enough, here goes this guy, and you know what they do? They don't care about your stuff, right? They're just going to cram your stuff, and oh, was there something breakable in there? Bam! And they're just like taking this thing and like hitting it and hitting it and like shoving it. E, e, if I push hard enough, it will fit, right? And I'm like, bro, that is, I'm, not a, I'm not good at geometry, but I can tell that's not going to fit in a space that this is big, right? And he walks down, like complaining down the aisle, like, I can't believe this doesn't fit. I'm like, you can't believe that this doesn't fit? What? Right? And some of us, we're doing the same thing with the Bible. We're trying to make the Bible fit into our lives, into our habits, into our lifestyles. And we're going to read every translation until we find a verse that says it's okay. (laughs) Well, it says this and that verse. Stop. Stop. You and I, we're not called to make the Bible fit within our lifestyle. We got it backwards. We're called to make sure our life fits in the Word of God, fits underneath the way God said, hey, if you will live life in this context, it's a better way. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it's not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Here's what I would tell you. And there's a lot of people out there that are pastors, that are evangelists, that are authors, that are twisting the truth. Hear me, today what I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not twisting anything. I'm just telling you, that's why there's so many scriptures today. To back this up, don't follow something that's close to the truth. Don't sell yourself short. 
If your kid comes up to you and they tell you partial truth, what is that line, right? And you're like, oh, well, you told me half the truth. There you go, kid. You know, no, no problem. No, some of us, we're settling for less than what our Father intended us to have. And it's not about making the Bible fit our truth or the way that we view life or the way that we see life. It's about us making sure our life fits in within the context of His holy word. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because here's the deal. Whose truth are you going to follow? Right? If you follow culture's truth and other people's opinions, and even your own, can I tell you that the line keeps moving? Right? What was true today isn't true tomorrow. What was okay today isn't okay tomorrow. Or, or now it is okay, and you're dazed and confused. You're like, oh, okay. So you never have a baseline to build your life on. Or, or, or the alternative is for you and I to build our life on something that is timeless that is dependable, and that builds solid fruit. The choice is yours. So what's our takeaway today? Because here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, I mean chapter 2, verse 1. It says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. And some of us, we've drifted. So the goal isn't just for us to kind of recenter our life today, but here it is. We're going to go build a commune in just about six months, and we're all going to gather together, and I'm going to hand out Kool-Aid, and we're going to have pictures of me all over the place and just start quoting seances to me, okay? This is the, this is, like, if you're like, what is happening right now? That is, that's not what we're doing. We're never going to do that. We're not going to build a commune, or we're going to build this, this campground, and we're all going to come there, and it's going to be an us versus them, and, and we're going to start this cult. No, 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 no. But here's what Paul tells Timothy right after he's like, people will leave wholesome teaching to find whatever their itching ears want to hear. He says this to Timothy, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Can I tell you, God has a ministry for every single one of you in this place. Every single one of you have a calling on your life. And the takeaway is this. Is it that we would hide? Is not that we would huddle together and just hope that nobody speaks ill of us, but that we would learn to live our life on solid ground, that we would hold the line, that we would hold our ground, and that we would speak truth in love, and that we would love well. But here it is, that in a culture that is living life on a slippery slope, that you would choose to be courageous. And that's something that doesn't exist very much in our world anymore, especially within the churches. And we're raising up spiritual wimps instead of spiritual warriors. And women and men, you're called to stand your ground with courage and conviction, even when it's not popular. Right? That's it. And you're not just, just blast everybody like, oh, I'm standing my ground. I don't care. No, 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 no. Because we can give the spiritual middle finger while we're saying we're claiming God, ground for the Lord. Right? That's what we've done. You don't like me? Take that. God bless you. <laughs> it's true. This is what we're, there's balance. 
so that we would stand our ground and we would live with courage, but we would speak the truth in love and we would love well. Because Jesus said, you know how they're going to know you're my disciples? By how you love others. That's it. And you can be right and be wrong in the same breath because the way you're being right, God's called us to be effective and right. And some of us are just being right and not effective. Stand your ground. Love well. Speak truth in love. And live a life that is courageous because it takes no courage to go with the flow. But it takes courage to, stay your, to stand your ground and to build your life on God's word even when it goes against your feelings, culture's values, and other people's opinions. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, I know this message, man, I hope that it gets some pushback. I hope that it checks some of us spiritually. Because some of us, the way that we are living our life, we are living it based on what we view as true, on what we feel is true, on whatever looks good, sounds good, feels good. And the truth is, you have a better way for us to live our life than that. And you've called us to be different. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us today that we would hear your word and it would change us. That we would hear your word and it would correct us. That we would hear your word and it would lead us. And we can build our life, whether we are a teenager whether we're in our 20s or 30s and we're single, whether we're young married, whether we've got families, whether we're grandparents, but we can build our life on your word, on the Bible, and that we would understand it's going to lead and it's going to yield to good, solid fruit. And that's a better way to live. So Lord, speak to us. Grab our attention and change us where there needs to be change. With heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here. And I, that scripture in Hebrews 2.1 says, we must listen to the truth carefully or we may drift away from it. Man, that's me. I just drifted. Last week I talked to somebody after first service, a gentleman, and he said, you know what, Justin? And he goes, I just drifted away from home. He goes, I felt like I was going to miss my moment. He goes, if I didn't raise my hand today, that I was going to miss my moment to come back home. And I was just going to keep drifting. And for some of you, you've drifted long enough. And hear me, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. But when I get to 3 all I want you to do is raise your hand. If you're at home watching online, that you would raise your hand. And that there would be a moment where you stop drifting and you come home and you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life for the first time or you recommit your life to him again. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say, Justin, that is me today. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else you join these two hands that are raised before we go any further in service today? Yeah, is there anyone else you join these three? There's one other, there's four. Is there anyone else today? You say, Justin, that's me today. And man, I've been drifting long enough and there's a change that needs to happen. If that's you, don't miss this moment. Don't, don't miss this moment. Don't keep drifting. 
come home. Is there anyone else? You join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, and I've drifted from you. But I ask for your forgiveness today. And I ask that your grace and your love would come into my life. I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it. And I turn to you. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these four individuals today to raise their hands? Man, what an awesome, awesome moment. Let me say this. If you made this decision, Michael Ballard, our, our, youth, our students director, is getting ready to come up and give you some amazing information that you need to know. But I want to leave you everybody here with some homework. We've been trying to do this. Nate, you're welcome today. Um, but we've been trying to leave people with homework um, just because I believe when we apply the word, the word changes us, right? Application equals transformation. And so I want to ask you these three things. Are you consistently reading, applying, and meditating on God's word? Right? Here's what it says in Psalms 119, that your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It also says this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word can't light your path if you aren't reading it. If you're not applying it, you can't hide something that you don't already have and possess. Are you in possession of God's word in your heart, in your mind, in your soul? If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles in the Connect Center, in the lobby. Hang a left, green room. We'll get you a Bible. There's apps. The YouVersion Bible app is a great app for you to read the Bible on a daily basis. Man, it will even read it to you, right? Are you actively in the word? Because if you're going to base your life on it, you better know it. You got to know it. Second thing is this, what defines what is true in your life? What is right and wrong in your life? Is it society, feelings, what is trending, or is it the Bible? And if it isn't the Bible, answer this. Why? Have, have a real honest answer. Why? why? Why are we not basing it on this, and why are we basing it on something else? Because what's the long-term gain from that? What, what's, what am I hoping to gain from it? And the last thing is this, what are you really building your life on? What are you really building your life on? Man, let's learn not to slip on the slope. Michael, if you'll come at this time. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. 
If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.